G'day folks, welcome to episode 112 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week we will do our usual roundup of security fixes from the last week. I've got a fair bit to go through there with some updates for the kernel, uh, the X server, spam assassin and more. Uh, and then we're going to have a few uh, a look at some things from the community, in particular uh, a new kind of easier CVE assignment service, uh, the distributed weaknesses filing uh, version 2 it's from a couple uh, ex-Red Hat folks. Uh, we're going to also have a quick look at uh, the recently proposed Rust support for the Linux kernel and then uh, a webinar that actually I'll be involved in uh, that's just gone live in the last 24 hours as well. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, so as I say, first up, we're going to look at CVEs from the past week. Uh, there were 45 unique CVEs that were addressed across the supported Ubuntu releases. Up first, we had an announcement of a live patch. So this is uh, the kernel service that allows to supply um, kernel patches essentially without rebooting. And so it uh, you know injects a kernel module that then goes and does code fix-ups on the fly. Pretty neat stuff. Uh, so this one uh, is targeted at, well, so live patches are targeted at the long-term support releases and our 1404 extended security maintenance release as well. And in this, there were eight different CVEs that were rolled into that. In particular, uh, there was the uh, BPF uh, Spectre mitigation uh, issues that I talked about back in episode 109, a couple of episodes back now, as well as uh, and, and the M-Advice system call uh, issue that was reported by Jan Horn from Google Project Zero. And I mentioned this passing you know, a few weeks ago uh, as a result because this live patch did initially cause some issues on uh, some machines, uh, but that has now been fixed up. So yeah, uh, if you are running live patch, uh, you don't now have to reboot to get all these fixes, which is pretty awesome. So thanks to the live patch uh, team within the kernel team for sorting that one out. Uh, we also had some updates for our 1404 extended security maintenance customers. In particular, we had an update for curl, uh, LXML, and spam assassin. And actually, I talked about all of these uh, back in episode 110. Uh, so if you want more details on those, you can go listen back to that. But if you are uh, running uh, 1404 and you have extended security maintenance enabled, you now have those fixes as well for all of those packages. Uh, up after that was an update for the X server. Uh, so one CVE that was uh, rolled into this for uh, all of our, our long-term supported releases, as well as uh, the Groovy Gorilla 20.10, the most recent uh, interim release, which will, I guess, very soon be supplanted by uh, the Hersute Hippo uh, 2104, which will be coming out uh, within about a week. So I will have more to talk about that next week. But anyway, so back to the X server update. Uh, this was uh, a possible denial of service or maybe code execution as the X server itself from a local user. So a local user as an ex-client could potentially crash the server by providing uh, you know, a crafted uh, change feedback control request that would then trigger an integer uh, underflow that could then get a heat buffer overflow and then possible code execution as a result or at least a crash of the X server. Now, uh, on more recent Ubuntu releases, the X server doesn't actually run as root anymore, which is pretty awesome. Uh, it actually runs your local user. So the impact from this one uh, nowadays is not as high as they would have once been a, uh, you know, a code execution in the X server as a result. But yeah, nonetheless, that has been fixed. Then after that, there was an update for Nettle. Uh, this is a crypto library uh, that is used by a lot of different packages, uh, in particular things like uh, the Time Demon Crony, uh, DNS Mask, LightHTTPD, uh, QMU, Squid, and even SuperTuxCart uh, all use this for uh, their crypto needs. And this is one CVE that was done for all of the long-term support releases as well as the Groovy Gorilla. Uh, so yeah, in this case, it could end up uh, calling the elliptic curve multiply with an out-of-range scalers. 
this. And as a result, then you could get an incorrect result during the elliptic curve signature verification. And that could then possibly allow an attacker to trigger an assertion failure. So that would then result in a crash of the library or an abort, should I say, and that would be a denial of service against the application. Or you could possibly force an invalid signature and result in uh, you know, proper and result in bypassing a proper signature verification as a result. So yeah, that one has been fixed for Nettle. Uh, after that then was updates for the kernel. So this is for all of the different kernels across all of our uh, releases. And actually some of these I will probably be mentioning in next week's episode as well, uh, because uh, you know the kernels have taken, essentially there are so many kernels now that our kernel team is supporting across all the different releases and all the different platforms on those. It does take a while to spin all those uh, out and then uh, to publish the uh, security notices for those. And in particular, thanks Steve Beattie from our team for doing all the heavy lifting on those uh, but yeah and, and obviously thanks very much to the kernel team for all the work they do on doing their uh, three weekly uh, stable release updates which always include a lot of security fixes as well as kind of the emergency kernel spins that they often have to do as well um, so yeah they're always really busy and we're always very grateful for all the hard work they do uh, in getting uh, our fixes out to our users so yeah, as i said this was fixes for uh, the kernels in say uh, 1604 long-term support which is used as uh, the hardware enablement kernel for 1404 esm uh, there was an update for the 1804 kernel uh, the 2004 long-term support kernel as well uh, the 20.10 kernel again used as hardware enablement in the 2004 long-term support release updates for the OEM kernels across different platforms. But uh, in terms of vulnerabilities that went into these, I think the most uh, interesting one was found by uh, Peter uh, Kryzak. He found uh, another uh, BPF uh, just-in-time uh, issue. So uh, as you're probably aware, BPF is uh, kind of the in-kernel um, just-in-time compiled language for doing uh, various operations. Uh, it's used by a lot of different subsystems nowadays for essentially allowing you to inject bits of code into the kernel. And because uh, it is compiled by the kernel, there is a verifier as well that tries to make sure that you can't do anything unsafe as a result. However, every now and then uh, you know, different issues get found where uh, there are ways that you can, as a, you know, as a normal user, inject code through BPF that then can get run and do you know, uh, invalid memory operations. In this case, uh, what the BPF compiler tries to do is calculate the smallest uh, jumps between different parts of the code that it needs to do. And there was a part of that that uh, could end up in incorrectly calculating the jump location and could allow you to jump outside of you know, the valid area. That could then allow you to potentially uh, do out of bounds reads or writes as a result. And therefore you can do code execution or at least uh, you know, crash the kernel by uh, you know, jumping outside of the valid memory region and getting a page fault. So uh, in Ubuntu and in a lot of distros, we do allow uh, unprivileged users to uh, attach so BPF code to uh, sockets and things like that. So then you know, an unprivileged user can inject this BPF code into the kernel and potentially get our root code execution as a result. So that has been fixed. Uh, and you know, I want to thank obviously the kernel team again for their hard work on getting this one out as well as uh, you know, all the stuff they're doing. So uh, yeah, that is it for this week in security updates. Uh, after this, I wanted to have a talk about a few things that I've seen uh, popping around in the community. Uh, in particular, one is the uh, distributed weaknesses filing version two. So uh, the uh, LWN.net, Linux Weekly News, they had quite a good uh, summary article of this, but uh, essentially it's a reboot of a project that um, Kurt Seafried and Josh Bresses uh, sort of started uh, years ago as a way to essentially do easier CVE assignment. Back in those days, they were assigning a DWF, not a CVE. And uh, the whole process was a little bit clunky and uh, didn't really scale and didn't unfortunately make it a lot easier. So it never really took off. 
Uh, what they're doing this time around is they're actually assigning CVEs even though they're not a MITRE uh, CVE numbering authority, which is, uh, I guess, raised a few eyebrows in the community and the like. Um, they are assigning it uh, in the, say, 1 million range. So, you know, we obviously see CVEs in normally, say, CVE, say, of uh, the year 2021, and then maybe, you know, 10,000 or maybe 100,000. But uh, as yet, MITRE hasn't been assigning them up in the, you know, 1 million type range. And so that's what they've done. They've actually gone and assigned, I think, eight CVEs at this point with these numbers. Uh, but as you can imagine, uh, things can get kind of confusing because if they've assigned a CVE and then MITRE go and assign a, you know, a more official CVE, we now have two nominally CVEs that point to the same thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, they've set up a little website, iwantacve.org, where you can very quickly go and get a CVE assigned. Uh, it uses GitHub, so you do need a GitHub account to request that. Uh, but it does look like it's a pretty neat system. As I say, the only, I guess, the, the biggest issue they're going to have with that is maybe the political type ramifications of it. And you know, as a team ourselves, you know, we're keeping an eye on this. Uh, might of themselves have, you know, say put out a tweet that says, you know, uh, the only real CVEs are the ones we assign. Essentially don't trust any other CVEs, which is kind of interesting. And you know, they've filed an issue against uh, their you know, Kurt's project to kind of say, hey, you know, can you please stop using the term CVE? Uh, but you know, there's a blog post there that uh, Kurt and Josh have put out, which really kind of says, you know, the reason we're using CVE is because it is the de facto name for vulnerabilities. You know, if we use something else, uh, you know, we tried that in the past, essentially people didn't get on board and we, you know, we essentially want to use the real name CVE. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where this one goes, something to keep an eye on. And I guess if anyone is wanting a CVE assigned for a vulnerability, uh, particularly if it's something in Ubuntu, you guys can always get in contact with us we are uh, CNA ourselves so we can assign CVEs for anything in Ubuntu uh, in particular the easiest way to do that is probably to file a bug on Launchpad against the appropriate package and you can file it as a private bug you know if you don't want it to be public straight away so we can do the coordination with you there uh, but yeah so um, I guess yeah keep an eye out so let's see where DWFV2 goes after that, I wanted to have a brief uh, mention of something cool that I saw which is the Linux kernel looks like is going to be gaining support for Rust so this, uh, I guess, as probably everyone listening to this is aware, you know, Rust is uh, one of the newer memory-safe languages, and in particular, uh, not only is it memory-safe, but it has a lot of other, I guess, nice metaprogramming features within it that make uh, writing code a lot uh, kind of friendlier than C. Uh, it gives you a lot of, you know, it's got a very nice standard library with lots of different, um, you know, types and things in it, and it does uh, much better tracking of um, lifetimes of objects and things like that to avoid uh, race conditions and, you know, memory unsafe things and all of that so it's a really neat language but obviously quite different than C and the the team behind this are kind of starting small they're essentially adding support so that the kernel can build in parts of the standard library into it itself and then you could potentially write a kernel module in rust and then it could you know use that standard library or the bits of the rust standard library within the kernel and do whatever it needs to do but in general it wouldn't be able to access directly uh, you know native uh, C data types from the kernel itself uh, so it does make sense then for more things like drivers and stuff and not necessarily replacing core kernel components. And obviously you're going to have lots of people who uh, aren't wanting to necessarily build a full Rust toolchain or you know build those Rust parts of the kernel yet. So it's going to be, uh, I guess, a more opt-in feature for a while. But it is very cool to see. 
And actually, uh, the folks at Google have put out a blog post where they talk about it, you know, how they've got behind the effort, and they're looking at essentially re-implementing uh, their binder IPC uh, parts, which is used in Android uh, within Rust. And so they've got a good prototype of that. Uh, it does all look pretty cool. Um, as someone myself who hasn't written a lot of Rust code, I still find it a bit uh, you know, harder to grok than C. But you know, I think Rust is awesome. I think obviously anything we can do from this sort of platform level stuff to make things more secure, uh, to make things harder, uh, to you know, have vulnerabilities or to be able to exploit is always awesome. So yeah, I'm really interested to see where this one goes. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to see more stuff being written in Rust myself. And obviously I'd love to be digging more into Rust myself too. So yeah, let's see where that goes. And lastly, just quickly, I wanted to mention uh, there was a webinar that went live uh, just uh, last night which was between uh, Lex Andecki and Rick Harding from Server Team and myself talking about uh, you know, securing open source from the cloud to the edge. Uh, so you know, we talk about, I guess, how Ubuntu was built with security in mind from the ground up and how you know, we essentially keep Ubuntu users protected against all the different vulnerabilities and how that patching process works. Uh, we also talk about the specific security services that you can use to achieve the maximum availability and reduce downtime. So that's things like you know, live patch and uh, in the case of our older releases now, extended security maintenance, as well as uh, you know, a bit of a talk about some of the certifications work as well that goes on. So really a good overview of um, security within Ubuntu and how that can help you, you know, secure your use of open source as well. So yeah, if you want to know more about that, check that out. I've got a link in the show notes. And finally, the other thing I wanted to mention is that we are still hiring. We have open positions for an AppArmor security engineer, as well as a, team, a position on our certifications team, and finally, a generalist. Uh, so yeah, if you are interested in any of those roles or you want to come join our team, please check out check those out. I've got links in the show notes. And just before we finish up, uh, one thing I wanted to mention is there will be no episode next week. Uh, I'm taking uh, a week of leave. So, yeah, we will be uh, back with you the week after. Uh, yeah, and there'll certainly be, I'm sure, lots of stuff to talk about there. A couple of weeks of news to go over and vulnerabilities and all the rest. But until then, remember, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can email us at securityubuntu.com. You can find us in the Ubuntu Harden channel on the Freenode IRC network. Or you can create a topic on discourse.ubuntu.com in the security section and we will engage with you there. Or finally, we are on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec. Okay, so thanks everyone for listening again for another week. It's been awesome doing this all again for you. Uh, I'll miss not doing it next week, but uh, as I say, I'm sure there's lots of good security things to talk about uh, when I come back. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got you back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.